listeners, and welcome to another episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I'm your host, Jason Johnston Yellen, and the cherubic Joshua Hatton is my co-host. Cherubic Joshua, how you like them apples? I, I don't know. It feels like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> You've gone that far. Please indulge. Because on one hand, cherubs or the cherubim are are youthful angels. Am I right? But the, uh-huh. but they're also overweight, and so. <laughs> but they also have wonderfully curly hairstyles. Okay, okay, so you're calling me cherubic because of my curly hair, because of my general youthful look. The red splotches on your cheeks? You know what? I don't know what those are. I've had those my entire (laughs) life. It's like I'm wearing blush nonstop, and I'm not wearing (laughs) blush at all. (laughs) Ah, it's another Aunt Sally reference, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That 1% of our audience will get, but here we are. So, Joshua, in Extra Extra, you and I cover uh, a new story. You know, ideally, it would be a contemporary, uh, maybe even a breaking news story. But mm-hmm. in these times of COVID, we've tried not to go COVID-heavy every episode. Correct. We've tried to break out of that where possible. And uh, and then we spend the first half of the podcast with really the person who has been in charge of bringing it to our attention. Mm-hmm. They will read through it and we might make occasional side comments about it. And then for the second half of the episode, we'll we'll discuss it. Yeah. We try to record a tight 30, sometimes 35, and uh, we like to get in, get it done and get out again. So without further ado, Joshua, what... Have you brought for our consideration this episode? Well, the article that I brought to you and to our listeners indeed is a newer episode, and there is mention of COVID nineteen. However, a newer episode? Did I say a newer episode? You did. I meant a newer article with you, but it's not particularly focused on COVID-19. And I think rather than try to explain it, I should just read it to you and the listeners. And then, and then, like you had said, we can talk about it on the way and then really dissect it in part two. Indeed. So again, this is, uh, this was posted on the Spirits Business website, thespiritsbusiness.com. And I do not see an author to which this article can be credited to. So I guess just a general article on the spirits business. It goes, in a statement on the firm's official Diageo News Twitter account on Saturday, 27th of June, your birthday, by the way, Jason. Thank you for that focus. I like it. The group said it, quote, will pause all paid advertising globally on major social media accounts from Wednesday, 1st of July. The group didn't specify which social media platforms would be included (laughs) or the length of the advertising pause. The firm added, we will continue to discuss with media partners how they will deal with unacceptable content. Diageo, producer of brands such as Johnny Walker and Captain Morgan Rum, said in the statement that the firm, quote, strives to promote inclusion and diversity, including through our marketing campaigns, end quote. 
In April 2020, the group released an update on how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected the company. Diageo withdrew its guidance on net sales and operating profits for fiscal 2020 and said that it had stopped advertising and promotional A&P spend. It's interesting. The firm will tightly manage working capital and postpone flexible capital expenditure projects. The Johnny Walker owner is among some of the world's biggest consumer goods companies to pull its advertising and social media in recent weeks, including Coca-Cola and Unilever. Mm-hmm. Saw that. Yep. We're halfway done with the article, by the way. The author goes on, whomever uh, she or he might be. It says, earlier this month, a group of six organizations called on Facebook advertisers to pause their spending on the network during the month of July. The group of organizations included the Anti-Defamation League, the National Association for the Advancement of Color People, NAACP, Sleeping Giants, Color of Change, Free Press, and Common Sense. The six firms asked companies to act against hate and disinformation being spread on Facebook through its campaign, Stop Hate for Profit. And by the way, the act against hate and disinformation was in quotes. I did not point that out and should have. It goes on and says, the move to stop advertising comes just weeks after Diageo pledged 20 million U.S. dollars to help black communities and businesses in the U.S. that have been impacted by the coronavirus crisis. The Diageo Community Fund is part of the group's continued effort to support underrepresented groups and communities, particularly those in the hospitality sector. Finally, goes on to say, in November 2017, Diageo stopped all of its YouTube advertising after discovering adverts from some of the world's biggest brands were being shown on videos featuring inappropriate footage of children. So what, yeah, what was it about this that that had you bringing it to the attention of Extra Extra? When I read it on the surface, I said, okay, this, this, this makes sense. Like you, I heard about Coca-Cola and Unilever and, and others saying, you know, basically protesting Mark Zuckerberg's stance on uh, posts from the from the Trump administration. And there was even someone who who created a, a fake account and copied word for word posts that were on you know the the Trump Facebook page or various um, you know government certified pages that are specific to Trump and. While the president's comments were not taken down, his posts were not taken down, this, this person who created a fake account just copying word for word what was said by the president was taken down. And, and the reason why it was taken down is they violated Facebook guidelines for, for hatred or for uh, inciting violence, etc. And so after these reports, that's when I heard about Coca-Cola. That's when I heard about Unilever. Uh, it makes sense the Anti-Defamation League and the NAACP would be very sensitive to things like this. And so I would, of course, expect that from them. But Diageo, I, I, I guess, you know, I, I had never seen Diageo make 
any kind of a, a stance, any kind of a political stance like this. And so that struck me as funny. And so that's just the surface, right? But then being in the whiskey business, I also wonder what are some other potential benefits from limiting your marketing spend, right? There's, there's been talk of potential tariffs increasing from 25% to 100%, not just on scotch whis- single malt scotch whiskey, but also on blended malt scotch whiskey and blended, yeah. right? So if you need to protect your bottom line... Well, maybe you're going to pull back on marketing for a little while until you hear that maybe the tariffs aren't happening. Or if they do happen, you say, thank fuck I pulled back on my marketing dollars because I need them to pad, to, to, to pad our bank accounts. Yeah, although, although it is interesting because, I, and again, there's so many of these numbers bandying around. But I also saw, and I think it's Diageo offering up a hundred million, a hundred million dollar fund for kind of the bar community, the hospitality mm-hmm. community. That's true too. And so that number's already been bandied about. And then the number from this article you just said was twenty million dollars yeah. on, you know, c- communities. Correct. Primarily uh, African American. Yeah, let me let me read that oh. again. Hold on. Yeah, minority. What was the language? So it said the move. The language. It says the move to stop advertising comes just weeks after Diageo pledged twenty million dollars to help Black communities and businesses in the U.S. that have been impacted by the coronavirus crisis. So there you go. Right on the backs of yeah. of doing that. There is a lot we can be saying and should be saying. But let's hold that for the second half of this, unless there was one last thing you wanted to add. No, I was I I wanted to do the same pivot. I just wanted to hear what it was that that interested you in bringing this to the attention of extra extra listeners. Well, let me leave it at this. There's so many people who who talk about Diageo in such a way that just the word Diageo can sound pejorative, right? You say, ah, but it's a Diageo product, right? You hear this all the time. Mm -hmm. And I guess what what struck me about this is you can't can't just do that. Yes, they're a massive player within the drinks industry. Yes, they, they own and control, you know, dozens of distilleries. They are the Goliath within the drinks industry. However, this goes to show you that there is a part of them that looks to give back, that does make stances. And I I just hadn't really paid attention to it. It just surprised me that a big corporation can show not just its compassion, but show its, its balls, too. Welcome to the second half, Joshua. Thank you. One thing that you said just before we we took that quick Mm -hmm. break really resonated with me, which is in some circles, Diageo itself is, just that word, is held Mm -hmm. in the pejorative. And, And I think it's an interesting point because 
as whiskey lovers, we often talk about the distilleries we mm. love, have loved, continue to be in love with. It's very easy to think about our love of Lagavulin being there on the south mm. side mm. of Isla, right? On the, the south end of Isla. It's easy to talk about Talisker, right? Right there on rugged mm. sky. And yet, for many people, it's also easy to talk about the global behemoth who's only in this to, to make profit, who, who rules one third of Scotland's mm-hmm. distilleries. And I, I, I can't help but wonder, they're clearly a large, large massive company and we're a very very itty bitty <laughs> small company mm-hmm. right there's oh, we are such opposites of the same whiskey industry spectrum but when we see Diageo take a stance mm-hmm. like this and they say you know we're not going to advertise on Facebook because we don't agree with current policy making at mm-hmm. Facebook how do how do you respond to that? How do you see that? And I say this as a as a consumer, as a whiskey lover. How do you respond to seeing a, a multinational corporation like Diageo take what, on the face of it, looks like a, an ethical stance? You know, it's it's interesting. You ask me that question, and I and I will give you my answer. But I'm going to have one answer because I have one particular political view. Uh, or, or I stand a bit further on one side of the aisle than I do on the other side of the aisle. However, if you ask someone who stands on the opposing side of the aisle, they would say, well, why the hell are they doing that? Facebook hasn't done anything wrong. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll find a reason to get upset. Just as I would find a reason to get upset you know, on, on, on other things, right? We live, unfortunately, in a time where there's very little dialogue happening, where everything is viewed as there are two sides of the aisle and there's no common ground, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, when I read that, as I mentioned, you know, in the first half, it, it surprised me. It absolutely surprised me that Diageo took this stand, and I was surprised to hear that they've taken similar stands in the past. And if anything, not as if I have had loads of bad things to say about Diageo, I I, I don't think that I, I have, but this puts them in a different light for me. When I read that, I thought to myself, these people actually give a shit. Because it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily about politics. You know, my understanding of this issue is that Diageo and some of the other companies are putting a pause on marketing on Facebook, again, because of the disparity between how the the president's posts are treated and anyone who's not the president's posts are treated if the content is the same. Um, My hope, Mm -hmm. my hope for Diageo is that if it were a Democratic president doing the same, also uh, either posting, um, you know, infactual information or hateful things or things that would incite violence, I would hope 
that Diageo or any of these companies would would hold the same stance. Well, and it's just as you say that, I think there's a there's an interesting divide there between a political stance and a social stance. Yeah. And just as you're rightly saying, I hope they would take this stance against any member of the political spectrum. I see this more as a social stance hmm. where there is a part of them where COVID has, you know, completely destroyed the hospitality sector. Oh, yeah. And I think if you're Diageo, and, and it's so easy to throw that word around, there's clearly a ladder of command right across Diageo. Mm. And it starts you know, from the CEO and it goes all the way down to the people that we know who get their paychecks from Diageo. They're the ones pounding the pavement. They're the ones walking into bars. They're the ones with restaurant relationships. And so it's, it's good to see that there's that understanding that this has just been hit and hit hard. Mm. And I think a response to COVID is a social response. When they then come out and say, here's a further 20 million to go to black communities impacted by COVID, you know, again, I see that as a social position, right? The understanding that, mm -hmm. yes, we're seeing BLM protests where Black Lives Matter. And instead of coming out and having it be political by nature, it is instead social, mm -hmm. right? It is one of, of civil rights. And, and 20 million is the type of thing where it's a drop in the bucket for the amount of money that's, that's going to be needed going forward, but it's a position. Mm -hmm. what, what I wanted to kind of put back in front of you is if we look at Diageo, right, that word for that overarching umbrella mm -hmm. corporation, mm -hmm. I wonder how many people who would be upset to see Diageo taking a social stance even know that the bottle they buy, that they pull off the shelf, is even connected to Diageo. There's a part for me where, you know, you and I have, have lived and breathed this industry for the better part of a decade, mm -hmm. right? Longer than that, that we've actually been drinking and paying attention, <laughs> but living and breathing it for the better part of a, of a decade. Sure. And we know Diageo, and oftentimes Diageo brands, inside out and back to front. Mm -hmm. But when you and I go into a tasting, even for a self-selecting group of people who we think are, are living and breathing whiskey just, just along with us, right? <laughs> yeah. Oftentimes don't know what Diageo is shorthand for. And, and that's where I wonder if to make a stance as a brand mm. is one thing, and to make a stance as a corporation is another uh, thing. Ah, okay, right, yeah. So people, if they go to a Lagavulin tasting, maybe not everybody knows that that's Diageo. People who drink exactly. Johnny Walker drink Johnny Walker. They're not drinking Diageo. Exactly. You know, if you think of the Johnny mm. Walker Still Walking campaign, that wasn't necessarily... A Diageo campaign, even though you and I know Johnny Walker is owned and operated <laughs> by Diageo. But, but I do wonder what role could a brand play in making a larger social statement? That's very interesting. I think once you get down to the brand level, it gets really tricky. 
And it gets tricky because at that point, when a brand makes a statement that is a social one, it's quite often and, and quite easily translated or converted into a political statement. Exactly. Exact, kind of like wearing masks. To, right. <laughs> to try to curtail the spread of COVID. Perfect. 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 So this reminds me of a conversation I was having on Facebook with our friend Robin Robinson, who was also on. Right? Uh, a wonderfully intelligent and erudite man. Indeed. Indeed. I, I accidentally called him verbose once, if you remember. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, I forgot that verbose was a bad thing. I was just trying to say he can really, he knows how to talk. But anyway, that, but, but his, his comment was, you know, guys, it sucks, but it seems as if the only way we can get a certain segment of people to, to wear masks is to slap a brand on it. And if you do that, maybe people will, will wear the masks. Because the fact of the matter is, when it comes to COVID-19, the information coming from authorities within the U.S. is not clear. It's not cut and dry. And that's because you have the president who says, eh, you know, I'm not going to wear a mask. You don't have to wear a mask. If you're going to come to my rallies, wear a mask if you want. Don't wear a mask if you don't want to, etc." There's no unified message to say, wear a mask because of A, B, and C. Yeah. Tangentially and really quickly, I was in another conversation where we were discussing masks, and I had commented, you know, it's unfortunate that people don't want to wear them. I don't want to wear them, but I do because, you know, it, it's been shown that the masks help. And someone said, I can't find any information on that. Can you point, point that information to me? And so I found three articles, including one on the CDC that, that cites 19 different studies and, and so on and so forth. The, you know, the science is there. Masks work, okay? And so, but his point was, you have to throw a brand on it. And all I can think was, yeah, A, that might work. B, it sucks that you even have to do that. And C, I feel bad for any brand who says, you know what, I'm going to put our brand on a mask, and then cancel culture is going to have people say, I'm not going to support that brand anymore. They support these masks that are taking away my rights. So yeah, so once you get down to the brand level, right? Like Diageo is never going to put on their mask. There's not going to be a Diageo mask. There may be a Johnny Walker one because that's a brand. That's something you promote. But as soon as you throw Johnny Walker on there, it becomes political and no longer social. So with that said, this brings me back to the ways in which large corporations can and or are able to make social statements or mm -hmm. take a social stance. When Diageo comes out and says, we're going to put $100 million into a fund mm -hmm. to try and help the hospitality industry, or we're going to, you know, put $20 million into a fund that will help black communities affected by COVID. Or they say, we're not going to advertise on social media platforms for the month of July. It's very easy to look at every one of those statements through the same lens. Mm. And that lens is, 
here's a corporation doing something that it thinks will be beneficial to the bottom line. It mm-hmm. looks good if they help hospitality. It looks good if they help um, black communities. It looks good if they join in this boycott. And one of the things that you and I were talking about you know, before we started this recording is... What does it look like for a corporation to take an ethical stance? Mm -hmm. And I don't think we're going to answer that in the next few minutes that we have left in the podcast. (laughs) But but I I spent some years teaching business ethics. Mm -hmm. and, And I know what I think about this. I'd be curious to hear your position, Joshua, on how a corporation can pull off an ethical stance without people simply jumping to the bottom line of it's somehow connected to corporate profiteering. God, that's such an such a difficult thing to debate against. Right? Because that's exactly where my mind goes. I mentioned early on when we were discussing this, and what intrigued me about this was initially that it seemed like they were trying to do a good thing, but then secondarily you know, the, the idea of tariffs and are they really protecting their bank accounts on the just-in-case scenario that tariffs go from 25% to 100% and not just on single malt, but on blended scotch as well. So it, so c- could we maybe introduce my favorite meme here, which okay. is why not both? Why not do a good thing that also protects the bottom line? Yeah, Um yeah, I guess, you know, it, that reminds me something really quickly about what my rabbi said to me years ago. He said, there's no such thing as altruism, right? This, the way this is written, if you just read it on the surface, you say, oh, look at that. Diageo is doing an altruistic thing. No, they're doing a good thing while also benefiting from you know, another aspect of it, right? So you help save someone's life because yes, it's the right thing to do, but it also feels really good to help people. So altruism is a dead thing. It does not exist. And and what you said there, the why not both, had me think about that lesson. Why not both? Why not do a good thing while also making a bit of profit from it, ensuring your employees aren't let go, you know, they're dealing with having to furlough so many people. How do you limit that? Like, a giant corporation spinning a lot of plates while juggling 10,000 balls at the same time. Yeah, I guess I'd have to tip my hat to them if that is it, if that's a why not both situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have us get out of here on that because that's actually a nice thought to end on. Um, as, a, as a footnote to, to your rabbi's comment, I do fundamentally disagree with your rabbi and, and I think altruism absolutely is a thing but that's a conversation for another day and another (laughs) podcast but i definitely think when we come to corporations and we're always trying to understand um corporate motivation Mm. and it's it's no easier to to identify individual human motivation as it is corporate motivation but if we can look at this and Mm. say why not both I think that could be an, an okay place to, to observe this July stance uh, on behalf of a number of corporations. 
I'm happy to, to sit here and enjoy that view of that stance. Yeah, I don't think we've delved too deeply into this today, obviously. 30-minute podcast, obviously whiskey-focused podcast. But, you know, like, like many, many people, we're grappling with the current world around us and we're mm. not coming in with ready-made answers. No. Instead, we're trying to observe and unpack and operate accordingly. And every day is difficult, but we keep pressing on. And then there's a fourth element to that, listening to. Listen, learn, and, and, and move on, right? Yep. Okay. So if, if anybody's got a news story that they want to put in front of us, uh, please send it into questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com. As always, there is no E in whiskey, but there is an E in questions. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and please do, do be sure to continue to tune into One Nation Under Whiskey, uh, where we've been recording interviews like they're going out of fashion. Just because we're not traveling at the moment doesn't mean we're not interviewing. We have got our Zoom game working overtime, and there's plenty of One Nation Under Whiskey episodes coming along mm-hmm. in due course. Indeed. A lot of fun ones. All right, Jason, let's cheers, let's toast. I know, you you took over the role of host on that one, but that's okay. Well, I didn't mean to rush us, I'm just trying to keep it tight. Here's to another tight 30, Joshua. Here's to another tight 30 to 35. Chin chin. Two chins. (laughs) Is that what glass against metal sounds like? (laughs) 